0: Welcome into the Double Dribble podcast. As always, my name's Jordan Harper, and join with me is Matthew Landry, who seemingly always comes in on after an Alabama win and seems to duck out on me when Alabama loses. So glad to have you back here, Matt. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to get a win, so I can actually record today. So it's it's pretty good, pretty good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you here too. It gets lonely sometimes, but especially after losses. But today we're glad to be joined by Blake Lovell, who's the host of Locked SEC podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Blake Lovell. And he, he's someone that is Alabama fan by day, Auburn fan by night, and is very popular within the SEC basketball community and does a great job of covering SEC basketball. And I mean, without further ado, how are you doing,
2: Blake? Well, it's funny. You guys talk about getting the record after a, a win. What about me? I, I've got a record after a loss here. Um, so, I mean, you know, right? I guess that's the running joke because if I'm an Auburn fan, then I don't understand why I have to come on after I lose and you guys win. So.
0: <laughs> it's kind of a solemn um, podcast today for you. I'm sorry you have to feel that way. No, it's just a running joke for Alabama fans to call Blake a Auburn fan when he says anything positive about Auburn on Twitter and it's, right the opposite when he says something not positive about auburn then uh, or something about alabama then auburn (laughs) fans claim he's a an alabama fan so he's a he's a he's a very unbiased fan we'll we'll just put that to rest but a
2: fan of humans
0: (laughs) (laughs) alabama comes off a 90 to 86 win last night against south carolina and it 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 was a close game throughout um early on in the game alabama fell behind 11 to 1 and then 20 to 8 but alabama came back and trailed by two at halftime and ultimately ended up winning 90 to 86 to move their record to 16 and 13 overall in 8 and 8 in conference and south carolina fell to 17 and 12 and 9 9 and 7 in conference and just just a neat side note um their last meeting, in, or their meeting in 2017, Alabama won in four overtimes. I don't know if y'all remember that game. Alabama fans pretty much do. Um, Riley Norris and Avery Johnson Jr. took over that game, surprisingly. And Alabama won 90-86 to 86 in four overtimes. So this is the same exact score in regulation that was in 2017 in four overtimes. And that's just kind of shows the culture change that happened with Alabama when Alabama got NATO's. Oates. They're scoring 90 points. For the I believe the sixth time this year, in regulation, and they could they could barely even get that in four overtimes just two years ago. Run through some of the stats. um, Alabama, U.S. or South Carolina shot the ball fairly similarly. uh, Forty-five percent for South Carolina, forty-three for Alabama, and three-point percentage. Alabama made nine of twenty-four, and South Carolina five of fourteen. But the game was won and lost at the free throw line, which is pretty typical. in sec basketball and we'll get m- more into that with blake who is a advocate for the sec officials
2: oh uh, boy think.
0: yeah it, it's a it's a soft subject or a sore subject for blake to discuss but we'll get dive deeper into that <laughs> but alabama made more free throws than south carolina attempted and alabama shot 33 of 47 from the free throw line 47 free throws i mean just let let that dive in or you know soak in a little bit and you, south carolina shot 17 to 26 so blake I, I know you watched the game you said um i know i had to paint you for alabama to win this game but well, kind of just dive right in and just tell me what you saw and um how the how the game kind of transpired
2: yeah no it's a big win i mean it was as we said with with all these bubble teams in the sec at this point i mean you, you just have to win every game like they're the resumes aren't impressive enough to warrant losing games at this time of year, no matter who you play, I think for the most part. And so for everyone, it's just, you know, winning games. And everybody kind of said, you know, this was essentially an elimination type of game in terms of not either team's going to play their way in just by winning this game. But uh, the loser probably, you know, the, the, challenge gets a little bit bigger in terms of what you have to do in the SEC tournament. So uh, it's a big win. And I thought, you know, without John Petty on the floor, I I honestly came to this game thinking it's a pretty bad matchup for Alabama because i would probably been more impressed with South Carolina than, than most people have. I think a lot of people sort of just look at South Carolina and say, well, you know, maybe they're sort of taking advantage of what's been an up and down year in the SEC. But when you look at their depth, I mean, their size, I mean, I think South Carolina is actually a pretty good team. Um, you know, but but they're like a lot of teams in the SEC where one day they look they are a pretty good team, and other days they don't look like a pretty good team, so um, it's a big win. And I think the biggest thing, you know, like you're saying, is just this is why I tell people, and a lot of people have asked, and we've had this conversation for a couple weeks now. When, when someone asks me who is the most dangerous of the four bubble teams, if we say it's Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and South Carolina, which team are you gonna look at and say, okay, that team? is the one that you feel like could win multiple games in a tournament type of setting um, and potentially be a team that we're talking about, and I'm not going to compare them to Auburn of last year, which that's what everybody likes for me to do, but I don't really look at it that way. I just look at a team that, okay, if you had to pick from one of these four, who's the most dangerous based on how they play? And I don't know how you could argue that it's not Alabama because their offensive style is so much different and it's so hard to prepare for. And like you were saying, Go back to that game they played against South Carolina several years ago. It's just it's completely different, and I think they're so hard to prepare for. So if John Petty's back at full health, I don't know how you couldn't say that Alabama, of that group, is probably the one that has a chance to go furthest in a tournament setting just because they're just so dangerous on offense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, so, no. go
2: Good.
0: I was going to read off some some of the player statistics, and Kyra Lewis really willed the team or Alabama back from the um, from the dead. And earlier in the game, he had two consecutive steals on consecutive possessions, and had lay, lay got a layup and got fouled and shot two free throws. Ended up with 25 points and six assists. And Javion Davis had the the game of his life so so far in his earlier early in his career with 20 points and 10 rebounds, and he was really the replacement that. Alabama needed to step up with John Petty out he rebounded very well he, he made plays off of those rebounds and really he, he even made a three which is the second one of his career and he really started spreading the floor and we're Matt and I were talking before we came on that Alex Reese and Javion Davis they really can't be on the floor at the same time because of their skill sets but they need to feed off each other when one goes goes to the bench and one comes or is playing on the on the floor. And that's kind of, kind of what Javion did. He he played about how Alex Reese typically does um on offense and both of them ended up with ten rebounds apiece. And for South Carolina, Keyshawn Bryant is the guy that really kept them in the game when it seemed like Alabama was gonna start to pull away at the end, finished with twenty two points and thirteen rebounds and A.J. Lawson had 17, and Jair Bolden was the spark they they had early on. Started three of three from three-point line, ended up with 11 points total. And, Matt, kind of go off what, what Blake said and how Alabama really is a very dangerous team, even without John Petty, it showed, 90 points without, you know, a key cog in that offense and about eight, nine, three attempts a game. So just kind of go off of what he said and what you saw last night.
1: Yeah, so based on last night, I think Blake said it perfectly. This Alabama team is beyond dangerous. Uh, 90 points, and it was a slow night from Shaq, who still finished with 18 points, maybe one of the quieter 18 points that he's had. Um, Under 50% shooting, under 50% from three with a few costly turnovers, especially early in the game. But even with Shaq not having his best offensive performance, this team puts up 90 points like it's nothing. Kyra with 25. Like you said, the back-to-back steals were incredible. It got Coleman lit up. It got Kyra going. Kyra's three-point shot, as the season's gone on, has gotten better and better. He's starting to get a little bit more under it now, and it looks a whole lot better than it did at the start of the year. And as that shot continues to come along, this Alabama team gets more and more dangerous, and... Herb Jones, pretty soon he's going to be out of that cast to where he can play with his left hand again, which he may not need to the way he's playing with his right hand. It only makes Alabama more dangerous as he's able to use uh, – he's able to handle the ball with his left hand, able to attack a little bit better. There's a couple of times yesterday when South Carolina was trap that we'd see Herb with the ball in his hands. He'd get trapped, and there's not much he can do since he only has his right hand um, – Those situations get a bit easier whenever his left hand's back. When you add Petty back into the mix, this team gets a whole lot more dangerous for an SEC tournament kind of feel. Um, Me and Jordan talked about this before we started recording, actually, but the best play I thought Javion really had was the missed three that he had to start the second half. He shoots a short, crashes the boards, and goes right into an offensive rebound and rips a perfect pass. I think it was Reese for a lay-in. Javion's just he's developed his game a whole lot more. The three-point shot touch is looking a little bit better. He had a really nice post hook that we hadn't really seen yet this year. Uh, yeah, like Blake said, I think this team's super dangerous as it goes into this end of the season with two games that they really need to win for seeding in the SEC tournament and for keeping their bubble hopes alive for March Madness. So I think this team is poised for a run if they can just really sit down and get a little bit better on defense. Blake, Herb Jones kept um coats only eight points yesterday
0: and he didn't play him fully um he can't you know he had to switch on some pick and rolls but he held them to eight points and coats is a big key to their team scoring wise and rebounding but how big of a disgrace is it that both herb jones and isaac okoro for that that matter did not make <laughs> the defensive player of the year finalists i mean you you watch SEC basketball all year and i mean they're they're two of the top ten defensive players in the country. Am I wrong?
2: Yeah, no, I guess that's why they don't give me a chance to vote in these awards because they're <laughs> afraid that i I probably put a lot of SEC players in there. But, you know, in, the, in these cases, I think it's warranted. Um, no, I mean, there's no doubt. I don't know how you could look at both of those guys. And, and this is where I always tell people, I mean, listen, that we understand with some of these national awards – um, I don't know what it is. Like you're just gonna have these these weird uh, sort of ones. Uh, I think where you just look at it and like, okay, well, where's that guy? Where's this guy? Like we do that every year, and and it's just I don't know how we we get to the final group that we get to with, with some of these awards. But uh, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah, it's and especially you know looking at what Herb Jones has done. Uh, we've talked about it a lot, you know, on Twitter and such. Just I don't know how you look at this guy and not think. Not only is he one of the top ten sort of defensive players in the country, and we were even having that discussion probably last year in terms of what he was capable of. Uh, But, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I think he's a top five, easily top of guy, and it's just – if you understand sort of the value that he brings to the team, and of course anyone listening to this understands it, um, but you know maybe for people who don't watch Alabama a lot or just look at the box score, I've said it so many times, you can't sometimes just look at the stats and say, okay, I, I know what to make of that player just by looking at his stats, and Herb Jones is exactly one of those guys. He has great stats, but there are also so many other things that he does that you can't quantify as a stat. Uh, that just don't get enough credit and I think that's where you look at him as a player and and that's why you know he's such a popular player that's why he's someone uh, that's so important to this team is because it's not just about what he does on the stat sheet he just does so many different things well and I think it's just look that's gonna it's gonna allow him to have a very bright future in basketball and he's already proven that in Alabama
0: yeah Nate Oates gives out a hard hat award after every game and I, most fans know that by now for really given the stats that doesn't or the the plays that really don't show up in the stat book like taking a charge or diving on the floor uh, for a ball and Herb Jones won it again last night of course and said NATO said after the game it's pretty he's pretty much old faithful winning the hard hat award and a lot of people you know in the national media doesn't really don't really watch Alabama since they're not you know a great team or they're not on prime time every every single week but if you've watched just two games of Herb Jones, you can tell he's one of the top defensive players in the country. Um, Isaac Okoro, you know, he he gets a lot of the attention because he's high up on draft boards and people tend to watch him more. Auburn's doing really well this year. So he gets a lot more spotlight than Herb Jones does. But Herb's very appreciate, or, uh, appreciated in the SEC. Frank Martin said last night that he hopes Coatsart calls Herb Jones up and talks to him about grabbing a rebound. <laughs> Because Herb Jones worked him last night, rebounding with one hand, so it, it it's just something special to watch. And Herb Jones should be back next year, and hopefully can have a full slate of health um, all season because he just hasn't had that since his freshman year. And he sky's the limit for him if he can just you know develop a good shot, but. Ashton Hagen's is a very good defensive player, probably defensive player of the year in the SEC, if I had to guess right now. Isaac Okoro is, uh, Reggie Perry, and Herb Jones. Just kind of, Blake, I just want to ask, the SEC as a whole is kind of funny this year. You, you know, Kentucky typically wins every year, but there's always, you know, a log jam at the top close to the um, the number one spot. But Kentucky put it away the weekend before the end of the season. And they they have really turned it on since the end of the Evansville game or in their season. But don't mention that to Cal or he might go go off <laughs> five minutes like he did yesterday. But Kentucky's really you know played very well in the SEC. Um, you got Auburn, LSU there at the top, which are you know standout teams. But then you have three teams: Mississippi State, Florida, and South Carolina, and probably you would say the the second tier. Go off of what Mississippi State has done this year um in South Carolina that's made them so successful and you can even dive into Texas A and m who's a team that really surprised people uh, to really have a successful season because Florida, you know based on their preseason ranking it's been quite a disappointment with their talent. but kind of just go in on the SECs what I'm trying to say and kind of give your analysis of how these teams stack and have stacked up this year.
2: Well, I mean, we've got to start with Auburn, of course, um, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. We, we have to start <laughs> with Kentucky. I mean, listen, <clears throat> Kentucky is, and, and I have to contractually mention this, that, that I did have Bruce Pearl on the podcast uh, on Friday, and I mean, he – He said it but i think a lot of people you know going in should have understood that i mean this kentucky team like they're a legitimate like final four type team they're not the team that played evansville i know like you're laughing about um anytime you mention that now it's just one of those things where it seems like week after week all we do is mention kentucky losing to evansville that's great but um that was a long time ago and now they are a legit national championship final four type of team like they're that good and and that's why i think you look at them and it's just, I don't know. I mean, Emmanuel quickly at this point, you can make a lot of cases for player of the year, but as the season has gone along, as we're here with a week to go in the regular season, I just think he's probably the guy because of how much better he's gotten, how, I mean, he's just been the most consistent player probably from start to finish in the SEC. And and I think that's something that, that has to be valued in, and he's gotten so much better too. I mean, we've seen him just take over some of these games. Um, so that's helped Kentucky reach this point to where I think they are, you know, I don't know exactly how you would scale that and say, are they the far and away the best team in the SEC? I mean, they're they're sort of playing like it at times. Uh, and then, you know, that group behind them with Auburn and LSU. Um, I mean, Auburn is Auburn's not the same team that were last year. And I think anyone who tries to convince themselves of that uh, are kidding themselves because they're just not. They don't shoot the ball well enough. And I think that's something where – Let's say last year, if if a team matches up with Auburn, if you play Auburn in a tournament setting last year, if you would have tried to say, all right, you know, we're going to come out, we're just going to play them zone for 40 minutes. You got laughed out of the building. There was no chance you could have played a team like that, um, you know, and, and had the best chance to win, knowing how well they shot it from three. And that's where, like this year, I'd say a lot of teams, let's say Auburn gets to a four or five, seed in the NCAA tournament. And they're playing one of these hot 12 or 13 mid-major type of teams that they can in no way match up with them one through five. And like, all right, well let's come out and let's play a zone. Let's make them shoot the three. Auburn hasn't played well great. I mean had not played great away from home. They don't shoot it well. Um so that's where I think one of the sticking points with them. Otherwise, I mean look, they're talented. They're they're a very, very good team and you wouldn't be surprised if they were able to get back to the Sweet 16 because they just have the talent to do it. LSU LSU doesn't play any defense and that's what worries me about them. I know they only gave up 50 points against Texas A&M, but that was the first game probably in the past month that they played defense that you would consider, you know, sweet 16 and beyond type of defense. And so, if that continues, maybe they have a chance to go far. They're a really, really good offensive team, but they really worry me on defense. Beyond that, I mean, Florida, I was back to trusting Florida and look what happens. As soon as you start trusting them again, they go lose a game in Tennessee. Uh, Mississippi State, I, I don't know. Like, I think I trust Mississippi State, uh, but they've got the size, all those things, but but I still just, I don't know. And that's well, this is the theme of the SEC all year. Beyond Kentucky, it's been hard to trust some of these teams in different s- settings and scenarios. And I don't know that that's going to change any, and that's going to make for probably one of the craziest SEC tournaments in years because you could literally go up and down the board and say, I can make a case why that team could win it why that team could be the spoiler that gets to the you know, the SEC tournament final. Uh, that's just sort of the season it's been in the SEC.
1: Yeah, and just going back kind of to the SEC tournament, relating it to back into Alabama, me and Jordan were talking earlier just about there's a real possibility Alabama can get into the six or seven spot into the SEC tournament. And just kind of breaking down the possibilities of that for people who listen to this. If Alabama goes 2-0 this week, and if Tennessee and a are to drop one game each, um, which A&M is going to play Auburn, and Tennessee has to play Kentucky and Auburn, so there's a good chance that each of those teams can drop one. If Alabama goes go 2-0 with wins over Vandy, Missouri, they're in the seventh spot, um, which would have them playing, I believe, Arkansas as of right now. So what are some matchups in those one through four, I guess really one through five spots with four and five kind of being a log jam right now? What are some teams that you think Alabama has the potential to have really good matchups with as the SC tournament can going to be a big case for Alabama to try to get back into the NCAA tournament conversation?
2: Yeah, I think here's the scenario I would say. Um, and, and that's why I know Alabama fans kind of, you have to look at it differently in terms of when you're on the bubble is you should be hoping for the opportunity to play the better teams and not have to play the bad teams. Because then, you know, if you beat a bad team, as we've said, and this is why we go back to Mississippi State game, it was so important is because Alabama just didn't have enough opportunities left in the regular season. Like wins over Vanderbilt, Missouri are not going to do anything for your resume. In all honesty, like you're probably going to drop a little bit, like in the net rankings right. and all that. And so that's what you have to keep in mind. And so for people who look at it like, oh, no, we may have to play Kentucky in the in the second round or whatever you look at it. That's actually a good thing because that gives you a big opportunity uh, to where, if you win that game, like you're probably playing your way into the tournament., uh, if you lose it, it probably helps your metrics a little bit, which I know is not normal, but uh, that's just the way it is. And, and it may not be enough to get you into the tournament. But um, I, I think the best scenario here, and, and I don't know if this is exactly how it could play out. I'd have to look at the bracket and all that once we once we get to it. But uh, looking at hypothetical scenarios, you mentioned, you know if they can get Arkansas, I think in that that first type of game, and then maybe play Auburn in that next game. I I feel like that's probably the best setup for Alabama Um, because, you know, you think about the Arkansas game. I think it's a team that, yes, they're better with Isaiah Joe that's on the court, uh, but it's like, I mean, we also just saw them give up almost 100 points to Georgia. And so it's like, I don't know. Like, are we still trusting Arkansas? They're a team that's going to still be in that same spot, I think, trying to play their way in, although that loss to Georgia uh, put them down a notch. Um, but if, if you play well against Arkansas, I, I still think Alabama matches up well with Auburn, and we've seen that in both meetings this year in terms of how they played. And as we go back to what we said about the shooting woes with Auburn, if Alabama's shooting it well from three and Auburn's not shooting it well from three, uh, we know what can happen. And so we saw that in the first game, you know, kind of how these two teams play. So I think that would be a great setup. If you can draw Arkansas in the first round, um, and let's say you get Auburn in, in the next round. So those are your two SEC tournament games, um, which, again, I would have to look at the bracket stuff to see if that's actually how it could play out. But uh, that would be best-case scenario because I think a win over Arkansas would help you. They're still up there. You know, they're decent enough in the net and all that to where a win over Arkansas is actually going to be pretty good, um, you know, assuming they don't lose their last two games here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of intriguing scenarios for Alabama to to where they could play their way Into the tournament, you know, with two wins. I think two wins in the SEC tournament, uh, two wins here, probably a good chance to get them in. Although I know there's a lot of bracketology people who would disagree with me. Uh, But if you just look at their numbers, I think in that scenario, playing two quality opponents, and if you beat both of them, I just I think they're probably in at that point.
0: Is it not weird that Arkansas has a I mean, it's a good possibility that they can finish bottom four in the conference and still be (laughs) in the discussion to make the NCAA tournament. Is is that not crazy?
2: No, it's very weird. And that's what people keep going back to the, well, they have to judge us without Isaiah Joe. That's great and all, but um, if you finish, let's see, what are they? Um, They're probably projected to finish maybe 8 and 10 or 7 and 11. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. you're not going to – like, we can't have that discussion. If you go 7 and 11 in the SEC – um i just i don't think we can have that discussion like yeah. it's not you know it's not enough to me so
0: yeah in, in a conference that's only going to get four teams yeah. in the in the in the tournament that being below 500 by four games or even three games is you yeah. know, that, that's asinine to think about. If you're
2: 7-11 in the Big Ten, sure. Um, this isn't are... the SEC of last year. Like, no. last year, I think you could have made the argument. This year, I don't think there's a chance you can make that argument.
0: Yeah, it's all about who you beat, when you beat them, who you lose to, um, stuff like that in, in the end, too. But, I mean, you just have to look at the record sometimes. I mean, that's not what Alabama fans want to hear because Alabama's record's not good, and they they feel like – Alabama has a decent chance to make it too, but sometimes you just have to. And um, people like Jerry Palm who say you have to finish four games above 500 at a minimum to make the tournament, I mean, I don't agree (laughs) with that either. But there's different situations for different teams. But to finish bottom four in a conference that's not even, you know, is having a down year in a, you know, non-traditional Power Five conference in the basketball I mean that I, I don't think you should be even considered at that point, but I understand Arkansas has had injuries and um uh, with Isaiah Joe
2: out, but Alabama's uh, had injuries too. So it's oh like yeah. I mean, you know, well, I mean it's
0: hard. We can go you know, all
2: day. I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> let, let's go off of that. Um Yeah.
2: No, I, I agree. Like it is, and that's why I think with the bracketology stuff, like people have to remember, like everyone is not Using the same formula when they when they put a bracket together and and everyone always asks me why they're like why are you using Joe Linardi why do I tweet out his stuff so much uh, when he's the fifty something most accurate I'm like (laughs) let me tell you why I tweet out because that is the one literally everyone asks about they always want to know where Linardi has you because Mm -hmm. the SEC is on ESPN like there is an entire network. And he's the one that's always on these games talking about it. So uh, for anyone that wants to know, and I've been asked that question so many times, that's why I do it is because literally I get asked about him the most. And so here you go. I just can't, I can't tweet out all (laughs) 78,247, you know, bracketologies out there. I wish I could, but it's just not possible.
0: Yeah. It, it, it it can be a, give you a headache thinking about it sometimes of how, how people are different in their bracketologies. Um, You know, Eric Haslam, a good friend of ours, um, tweets out his bracket deserves every week and got guys like Bracket Dave that I follow that's really good. And they they could be totally different from Joe Linardi, but because Joe Linardi's on the big network, people are going to follow him um, more closely than some of these other guys. But kind of shifting off of that and going into Alabama's chances, um, like you said, they need to find teams in the tournament that are actually going to help them in the net or help them in – quality of wins like arkansas would be a good one. And even if they did fall into the 8-9 matchup and have to draw Kentucky the second round or the third round technically, um facing somebody like Tennessee, you'd have to hope that it's Tennessee in the 8-9 matchup because yep. Tennessee's metrics are just a lot better even though they have to play Kentucky and Auburn to end the season so that seems unlikely. But Facing Kentucky or Auburn or even LSU, Mississippi State or Florida in the in the third round would be big time for their their resume if they were to to make it that far. And Matthew and I both said that nineteen wins has been the target. I mean, I hate we hate putting a target win total to make a tournament because different things factor in more than wins. But we've said that nineteen wins is kind of where they need to be. But you lose to A&M at home, that kind of changes things. And now they've kind of fallen back some. And now it seems more and more likely that 20 will be, you know, the end goal to make the tournament. And that would mean winning winning against Vanderbilt at Missouri and then two in the SEC tournament. So would you say that's a fair assessment that 20 wins, um, not, you know, not factor in who they play in the SEC tournament because you're going to have to beat one of the top four dogs in the tournament regardless?
2: Yeah, no, you said it. That's what I'm saying. There's really no point in having a discussion on, what well, we would rather play Kentucky or Auburn or – I mean – you're going to have to beat one of them anyways. It doesn't really matter who you play. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and that's the thing you have to keep in mind, and we say this every year, but it's, it's not just what you do either. Like, it's what everyone else does, and we could say that, sure, getting 20 in that scenario, it would be very, very likely they would get in, but it's also like, okay, well, how many other bids are going to get stolen from other conferences? Um, who are the other bubble teams? How are they going to play their way? Because it's just – and that's the problem and we we say that with every bubble team and it's that's why you know I jokingly said this on Twitter before the games on Saturday is the best formula for every bubble team in the SEC is just to win games. Like that's the, the only thing you can control. You can't control what all the other bubble teams do. You can't control anything else. You just have to win your games. If you do that you're going to be right there with a the chance to get in, but if you lose games, um, then you put your you know you put your situation into the hands of these other other bubble teams uh, to the ones that we know. We I mean every single conference tournament, mid major, low major. Yeah. the the regular season champion is not going to win every single one of these conference tournaments. Like there are going to be bid stolen. Um, You know, if you're an Alabama fan and let's say they do put themselves in that spot to where, you know, they're in a, a matchup Al or with Auburn or Kentucky in that next round. And so you're having to look around and say, okay, we need to root for this or we need to root for that. You know, that's where you look at conferences like, I don't know, which is, well, the tournament will probably already be over by then, but like the SOCON, um, you know, you need to be hoping that East Tennessee State wins the SOCON, because if they were to get to the final and lose to Furman or Greensboro or somebody like that, East Tennessee State's probably still getting in the tournament. Um, And so you got, you know, you have a two bid league there. And so that's where you start knocking down the number of bids available. And for Alabama, it's just, you know, you can win your games, but even that. Probably not going to guarantee anything, but I do think you know the the best likelihood is to beat Vanderbilt, beat Missouri, hope you get Arkansas or Tennessee, somebody like that, and then go beat Kentucky or Auburn. Now, that's, that sounds great, but it's going to be quite a challenge.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge. And this is definitely a position that Alabama fans have kind of grown accustomed to over the years. And um, so just kind of taking it out of this kind of depressing topic at times with it being March with Alabama fans, um, we see Nate Oates kind of implement this new system here. You know, we were familiar to this position for a long time with Avery Johnson and Anthony Grant over the past eight, nine years. So what are some things, Blake, that you've seen this year that have kind of encourage you about the future of the program? What are your thoughts on what Nate Oates has done so far? And kind of what, what are some things Alabama fans can be excited about, even if we do miss the tournament this year, moving forward into next year and the rest of the future?
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, everyone, too, like, you know, we ask – it usually we do this anytime there's there's first-year coach at a place or whatever. It's it's how do you grade his first season? And I I think it's so hard to grade Nate Oates' first season. And I know there have been people right after that Texas A&M game, like it was as predictable as could be, everybody ready to jump on and say, well, Alabama's the same spot it's always been. Um, you know, they're, they're not ever going to move forward. Nate Oates isn't the guy I'm like – Hey guys, let's you know 26 games he's had 26 games as a head coach. Um <laughs> let's let's not go too far with this because Uh, You know, it's a team, whatever. We we saw the stat all over the the South Carolina game uh, about how many players that have been available have missed games due to injury and all that. Uh, So it's really hard to grade because if we go back, I mean, we can play the what if game with everyone. But let's say Javon Quinterly gets, uh, you know, his transfer granted. Let's say Herb Jones, Alex Reese, uh, Beetle Bolden, John Petty. All of these guys that have dealt with injuries throughout the year, uh, let's say only half of them are dealing with that, and you you know you have another two that have, that have just go through the season, you know, playing just fine. Um, it's just a completely different conversation because uh, it's it's so you have to keep that in mind too. Because in the SEC, and and we say this every year. I mean, the SEC is a grind, whether it's a, you know, it's a physical league, it's an aggressive league, and we can talk about the fouling numbers and all that, uh, but it is, it's a very physical type of league and you're going to get beat up. um, And if you don't have the depth sometimes to be able to withstand it, you're going to lose some of these games. And so that's why I think I am not one that looks at this season and says, man, you know, look at the, the excitement we had coming in thinking this was a preseason top 25 type of team, um, which it was with everyone healthy, but that just hasn't been the case. And so I think he's doing a really good job. I mean, that their offensive style, and I know, you know, you had Aaron on. He talked about that. It's just when you look at how they play, there are just so many things that, that you can be excited about and say, my goodness, we're not playing you know 50 to to 48 games anymore like that's just it's a completely different brand of basketball and that's not to knock the guys who came before him it's just he knows he has a system that is very appealing to recruits to you know fans to to everyone like it's the type of basketball you want to watch and i think that's something that that is a big positive and that is why He's having success on the recruiting trail, I think he's going to continue to have success on the recruiting trail. But, you know, there are things like injuries and such you just can't control, and sometimes that's going to happen in a season, and we're probably talking about this season in a much different way. You know, maybe they are safely into the tournament right now. If they don't have a few things go against them, uh, you could say that about a lot of teams. But but I just keep that in mind for anyone who wants to look at this and say, well, this is the same Alabama team. They're right back on the bubble. Things are never going to change. Uh, I just I think it's way too early to to have that conversation when it, when a person really hasn't had you know a good chunk of his team uh, for the entire season and yet they're still right here with a chance to to play their way into the tournament.
0: Yeah, you know, Jawan Gary, top one hundred. Uh, recruit or freshman that's coming in from South Carolina, tore his ACL at the beginning of – before the season even started. James Rojas, a JUCO All-American, tore his ACL uh, before the season. And then, like you said, Javon Quinterly got, had his appeal or his transfer request denied, appeal denied for whatever reason. And those three would have been key players um, in the rotation for Nate Oates. And they were going to be big impact players that would have – you know, taking the minutes of players like Alex Reese and Javion Davis and, I mean, really would have gave them an aspect that they really needed, which is toughness and they rebound the ball well and they're they're all three really good shooters. So, and SEC Network touched on it after the game last night, saying that Alabama's had 76 total games missed by players with injury or suspension um, this season, which is far and away more than any, any team in the SEC. So, that's kind of the... Uh, you know, the bad luck bug that Alabama has been bitten by this year. And it's something that really frustrated Alabama fans, but it's also something that, um, gives them the something to look forward to in the future when hopefully Nate Oates has a healthy squad next year and, um, getting a good recruit from <coughs> in Keon Ambrose, excuse me. And hopefully somebody like Joshua Primo, who's a five-star freshman. that just reclassified. So if Nato's can get his guys to come in and play in his system, um, I mean, first-year coach, he's playing with a lot of Avery Johnson's guys who, to be quite honest, weren't brought in to play up-tempo, fast, shoot a lot of threes. I mean, that's just not who they are. But give Nate Oates some time, and I have no doubt that his style of play and the toughness that he brings will ultimately take Alabama back to, um, you know, tournament um, consistency and and making it. But – Talking about the SEC as a whole again, uh, Blake. Before we let you go, who are some teams that you could see spooling some, um, either you know David versus Goliath um, type of matchup in, in the SEC in the SEC tournament? Teams that may surprise and could make like a, a championship run, like Georgia did several years ago, um, Ole Miss. So, who who are some teams we should look out for and players that you think could take over the SEC tournament when it begins in two weeks?
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned Georgia because um, I think you probably start there. I mean, there when you have you – know, Yeah, like I feel like – I mean, there's the thing. It's like he's playing well, but, like, they're playing a lot better as a team. And they've played a lot better for the past couple weeks here. Um, and I think that's a team that – and, you know, it's going to be hard having to – to sort of be in the spot they're in, um, you know. I'm not sure where they're going to finish. They would, they would probably love to find a way to to finish outside of that bottom four. I guess it's still possible, but uh, it would take a lot going their way to do that. Um, but I think they're a team. They, like I said, they we saw what they did against Arkansas. I mean, you have a potential number one draft pick on the floor um they really have nothing to lose at this point and and in recent weeks you know they've beaten auburn they've beaten arkansas um they probably should have won at florida that game that they were up down there we know they they had the tough game against alabama They've played a lot of close games, even the one at South Carolina here early in the week. I mean, that was one that they probably should have won. So uh, I would probably look at Georgia and say, you know, just because of Anthony Edwards, you don't want to have to play a team like that, that that's gotten a lot more confident and and honestly aren't aren't even old enough to understand, you know, kind of the the tournament situation. Like they're just a very young team, and I don't think they're going to really be intimidated uh, by coming out knowing that they have nothing to lose at this point. So probably look at Georgia. I mean, we've talked about Alabama. I mean, I would, I would put them in that mix uh, for, for reasons that we've already discussed, you know, I want to think that like Tennessee could potentially be a team like that, but I don't know. They they play good on defense. They've got good size. I just feel like they're going to have those offensive stretches that we just, they they may go, you know, five, six minutes without scoring, and, and I don't know about them in terms of making a run, but I'm not going to put it past Rick Barnes because I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. So uh, probably teams, you know, like Georgia, Tennessee, Missouri, sort of the same way. Missouri, they're just, man, they're bad on offense sometimes And, and they're really good on defense, but they're bad on offense. And, and I don't know if they have enough to make a run. So uh, I'd probably put, you know, Georgia and Tennessee as two potential teams if we're not including Alabama, but uh, I really think that trio is probably ones you're going to look at and say maybe it's one of those three, but then again, it could be three of the four others that that are in that same category based on how the season has gone. I'm going
0: to give you a quick rapid fire, okay, before we let you go. Auburn. (laughs) (laughs) How did you know I was going to ask who you thought was going to win the SEC tournament?
2: I thought you were going to ask who's going to win the national championship. No, <laughs> no. That's all right. Please continue. No,
0: that was my third question. Dang, <laughs> who you got winning the SEC tournament? Kentucky. Uh, mid-major you think can make a run? East Tennessee State. Ah, boy, represent. Uh, who you got winning it all?
2: Oh, boy. Um, Not so rapid on this one. I mean, (laughs) I think right now, if you had to ask me to pick one team, I think I would pick Kansas. Um, And that's I know that's sort of the easy pick, but Mm. I just haven't. I mean, it's just been that kind of year where I just, you know, it's sort of the who's the team of the week and and who's the team that looks the best. And and I probably a couple weeks ago, I would have said Baylor. But I think Kansas right now is, is probably the best pick if you're just wanting to be safe about it.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty safe pick, picking the number one team in the country, I guess. But I, I I personally like Gonzaga. I hope they keep playing as well as they, they have been. I'd like to see them finally break through and win it. But all right, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, We really appreciate Blake Lovell coming on and talking some SEC and Alabama basketball with us and. You can follow with him, following him on Twitter at the, because there's only one to Blake level. Is that yes, correct? That okay. is
2: correct. That's why at, I had to put the in it.
0: At, that's right. At the Blake level, on Twitter, and then go listen to his podcast, um, Locked On SEC. You, know, you find it on Twitter at Locked On SEC. He covers a lot of great SEC basketball content on it, and he's just a great person to follow when you want SEC bas- <clears throat> basketball coverage blake we really appreciate you coming on man and i know we'll be in touch um might try to have you on uh, once the ncaa tournament starts again or um some other time we we enjoyed having you
2: no thanks for having me on guys always enjoy the discussion uh, on twitter and everything and and now enjoying your podcast and, and as i've told both you guys uh, i think it's great that there are a lot more of these now um you know SEC basketball for the longest time. There just was not much coverage out there, and I, I think it's awesome that there there are team podcasts and all that, and it just uh, makes it more enjoyable for me because now I get to listen to other things other than just listening to myself uh, talk about SEC basketball. So I enjoy that.
0: <laughs> uh, we appreciate it, man. Until next time, we'll, we'll drop another podcast um, probably Wednesday after the Alabama-Vanderbilt game on Tuesday night. Um, Alabama plays Vanderbilt in in Coleman Coliseum on Tuesday night, so we'll drop a podcast after that game. And as always, it's Jordan Harper and Matthew Landry joined by Blake Lovell. This is the Double Dribble Podcast. Adios.